Daniel chapter 4 is a story about God's sovereignty. Daniel chapter 4. How many of you have heard the name Nebuchadnezzar before? King Nebuchadnezzar, a couple of hands, fantastic. Okay, we're going to learn this story today. And we're going to see how God works in the circumstances in people's life and in someone's life who didn't even really believe in, in, in God in the beginning, right? And so we're going to learn about God's sovereignty, that he works through circumstances. And the focus will be, I am thankful for God's sovereignty. And that's what the focus is going to be today. I'm thankful for God's sovereignty. I'm thankful for what he's doing in my life. And even in the circumstances, I can see there's a reason why these things are happening for my own personal benefit. Okay? That's what we're going to look at today. Daniel chapter 4. And let's start in verse number 28. Now we're going to read a little bit, but there's a really beautiful flow in Scripture to this story. So we're going to read a few verses together. I'll read out loud. I'll try to read slowly. Follow along if you have the Bible with you or if you have a Bible app on your phone, Daniel chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 28. It says, And all this came upon the king, Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of 12 months. He walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. We'll finish the reading there right now and we'll continue the story and we'll explain it right after we pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. Thank you for each person sitting in the room today. God, it is no mistake that each person is here. It's no mistake that we find ourselves in this room. It's no mistake that we find ourselves in the circumstances that we're in in life. I pray that you would help me now as I preach and as I teach and explain. May the truth come alive in our own heart. I pray that you would help us. Help me, Lord, as I explain. I pray that for those in the room who may not know you personally as their Savior, may the truth be clear. 
for those of us who are saved. I pray that by the end of today, our trust in you will have been refreshed. We love you. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to, I want us to individually think about the circumstances in your life that brought you into this room today. Think about your background. Think about the circumstances. Think about the events. Many of us in this room, myself included, we're not from, many of us are not from Canada. There were events that happened in your life, in your home country, and it ended up moving you to this country. Now, some of us are from Canada. You've grown up here in the GTA, perhaps. But there were also definite circumstances that moved in your life and brought you to the place where now you're sitting in this room today. And I want us to think about that as we look at this story and we begin to think about the circumstances in this man's life. This man was a real historical figure. When we look at the Bible, we can trust that the Bible is accurate. Okay, this is not a fairy tale. This is not a Cinderella story. Okay, it's not uh, one of the newest or one of the oldest Disney stories, right? Uh, This is a, a real, actual, factual story from history. It's been recorded accurately. The Bible says that we received the scriptures as holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So they were literally like a secretary who simply wrote down what God spoke to them to write down. It was accurate. One of the ways that we know that the Bible is accurate and can be trusted is because it has been preserved for us for thousands of years. And so when we're looking at this story of King Nebuchadnezzar, we are not looking at this as some kind of fake story that we can learn a truth from. This actually happened exactly how we find it in Scripture. This is the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. And we can see in the beginning of the of chapter four, isn't it interesting? In Daniel chapter four and verse number one, it says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar was one of the first kings that really had a worldwide empire, not worldwide in the sense of what we understand it today, but in the Middle East, he had a very vast empire. Okay, so it's with that understanding that we read Um, verse number one, but it's interesting to know that Nebuchadnezzar is the one that is, this is his story. It's not from Daniel's perspective. It's not from the prophet Daniel's perspective. It's not saying, Daniel, I'm writing this down. It's Nebuchadnezzar, the king. And then he says in verse two, I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God has wrought toward me. So 
It's actually this king that is recording his story, his testimony of how God worked in his life. And it starts out and he begins to say that he was at rest in his house in verse number four. He has this dream. Now, nowadays, God primarily speaks to us through his word. Can God speak to us through dreams? Yes, he can. But really what God does with dreams is he always moves us towards his word. We're not looking for dreams. We're not going to go to our dreams to figure out what God's saying. But back at this particular time, remember, this king was not a believer. Okay, he did not. He did not believe in God, per se, at this particular time. But he was a ruler and God was trying to get his attention because he was going the wrong direction. This should give us hope. When we look at all of the rulers in the world. Guys. Because this is where we live. It's so easy to look at the rulers and say, oh, they're in control. They're doing what they want. And we can feel as if when we pray, it does no good. As if they can do whatever they want to and ignore God and they're never held accountable. Okay, well, God put this story in the Bible for a reason for us to have the confidence that God is sovereign. Not the rulers of the land. Now, the word sovereign means supreme in power, completely in control. Now, it's interesting because... God has given, he, he is the supreme ruler of, of this world. And he shapes and moves history to make it go according to the direction that he ultimately wants it to go. And within that, theologically, not to get a little too deep here, but this is where our questions lie. By the way, let's not be afraid for deep questions and deep preaching and teaching because we are deep individuals. We are deep thinkers, we have deep questions, and we need to know. And deep questions require deep answers and deep thinking. So when we're thinking about God's sovereignty, he's ruler over all. So then the question may pop up, well, what about all the bad things that happen in the world? Does God make that happen? So he rules over all supremely, but then he gives each and every one of us the gift of a free will. And we can choose to do what we would like with our free will. And don't worry, I'll give us an illustration here in just a moment that will kind of help us understand this truth in just a moment. But let me just kind of explain and then we'll come down and and make sure that we all understand. So we all have the choice to either believe in God or not believe in God. To follow God or not follow God. We can see this in the story. In the beginning, King Nebuchadnezzar knew about God, but he didn't follow him. He was not, listen, he did not come before God and humble himself and say, God, I am a king, but I'm a king under God. He had the attitude that he was in complete control of everything, that he was the sovereign of his life, okay? How many guys take public transit? Occasionally even. The TTC or the GO. Right now, my family's in love with the GO train. Okay? The GO train is wonderful. This is a beautiful picture of the GO train. That's how much we enjoy the GO train right now. 
Okay. Now, guys, here's the thing about the GO train or TTC or subway or bus or whatever particular thing that, 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 that we're talking about. Okay. When you're on, the destination is fixed. For example, when we go out to Ajax a couple of times a week, we get on the GO train. Once we're on the train and that destination is, is you, you're not going to change. You're either on or you're off. The destination is going that way, right? That's the way that you're going. And so in the particular sense of saying, here's the destination, you're going to the Oshawa, right? They call it the East Lakeshore Route. Isn't that right, Brother Braden? Because he takes the go all the time too, okay? So once you get on that, you're on. We can think of that as sovereignty, Okay? There is someone who's driving the train and they are, in that particular sense, supreme in power. They're on the track, they're driving the train, but then each person in the train cars, they all have individual will on what they're going to do in their seat. They're either going to behave themselves and be a nice passenger, huh? or they're going to be awful have you guys ever had one of these deals? This happened to me the other day. I want you to feel sorry for me just for a moment. So I'm going to share my story of the go train. I'm on, I'm on the go train. Okay. And I go upstairs cause I'm thinking that's where everybody's going to leave me alone and I can have some privacy. I was wrong. And I get on the car and you know, many, many seats. I don't know how many seats are on this. I get up there. I sit down. I've got my book with me. How many of you prefer old-fashioned books instead of the digital? Am I the only one? Oh, praise God for every one of you. God bless every one of you. The rest of you, no, I'm just kidding. Right? So I'm sitting down. I'm all settled in. You know, I've got my book, popping it open. And then this lady gets on. And she's on the phone, which is fine. But she's loud. She's loud on the phone. And she's complaining about her husband. Oh my goodness. And she's whining to her girlfriend about whatever her husband's doing. And she's just, oh, yeah, yeah, the whole train trip. She's whining about her husband loudly. I'm like, look, God invented texting for a reason. You texted so nobody has to hear this garbage. I wanted to just go up and sit down right next to her and say, no, I cannot believe your husband. What's his name? Oh, I'm telling you right now. Let me give you what, what should you do to him? Here I am. Now, this is a silly story. Here I am on the go thinking I'm going to behave myself, keep to myself. And by the way, they made the seat so small with a little clear window and you're kind of squished in whatever. Right. Read my book like a good passenger and many passengers are like this. They keep to themselves. And that was the one day I forgot my big headphones to block out the noise. And I got to hear, right? You've got somebody else, they're choosing their free will to maybe just be a little eh, frustrating, to completely in their own little world, yapping away, right? But the overall destination, where is it going? It's still going the same place, okay? 
is still going east. So when we look at God being in control of the world, his overall control of the direction, he's still in control, guys. Hey, man, he's still in control. He's completely in control, okay? But what we do individually with our life, okay, that can be up to us. But here's the wonderful thing about God, and this is where we see his love and his kindness and his grace, is that he will come and he will kind of get our attention every once in a while and say, hey, uh, is that really the choice you want to be making with your life? Is that really the choice you want to be making with your life? On the GO train, every time they hit a station, they've got that kind of a nice little recorded, you're entering, I can't even do it. I, my, my, my best shot is, you're, you're entering the Ajax station, Ajax station, and bing, bong, 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 or whatever, however it goes, right? And it's like, oh, that's kind of nice. Oh, where am I going? Oh, I'm at Ajax station. And it's just soothing and kind of like a gentle, melodic reminder. This is where we're at. This is where we're going. Hey, hello. Are you on the right train? Because this is where we're at. Guys, doesn't God do that to us in our life? Doesn't God come to us through circumstances and through people and kind of say, Bing, bong, bong, bong. Hey, should you really be doing that? Is that really the way that you want to go? Hmm? The Bible says in Genesis 18.25, the latter part of the verse says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Isaiah 44, 8 says, fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have I not, have I, have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. So he rules supremely. There's no other God. The Bible also teaches us that God will judge wickedness and sin. The Bible says in Romans 14, 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? Why are you mistreating people is what it's saying. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to the same direction. We're all going to arrive at the destination of the ultimate judgment day. Revelation 20 And verse number 11 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things, which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. They were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell 
were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Guys, can I say that in this lifetime, God comes to us through circumstances, reminding us that one day we're all going to stand before him and we will be judged. No one is going to get away with anything. No one's going to get away with anything. Sometimes the circumstances in our life can cause us to think, well, maybe I can get away from my accountability to God. Or maybe that person is getting away with it. But guys, we're all on the sovereign train headed towards judgment day. And there are those who will have eternal life and there are those who will be appointed to eternal death. But it's a choice that we make for ourselves in this lifetime. And God comes to us in several ways to kind of ring our bell and say, hey, hey, the final judgment day is coming. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation or have you not? The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It says in John three thirty six, he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And the Bible says in Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for every person. He took on our sin debt so that at the final judgment, we can go to heaven to live with God forever and not be judged for the sins that we still carry upon us. As we look back through our life, we know that we've made poor choices. Sometimes that manifests itself through guilt, sometimes through shame, sometimes through just being self-defensive. Well, you know, and we give all these excuses. Let me tell you something. At the end, when the train finally arrives, at the very end of, of, of world history, we're either going to stand righteous because we have chosen to trust Jesus Christ for our salvation. Not religion, not baptism, not thinking, well, I'll work off my sin debt through the idea of purgatory. The Bible doesn't speak of purgatory. It's death and then judgment. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. And so God comes to us in his mercy and in his love and in his grace in our life through circumstances and through people to say, hey, there is a God in heaven 
Jesus did die for your sin. And once you place your faith and trust in him, you should be living a life of trust and faith. So let me point out just a few things in Daniel 4 in our story, and then we'll be gone. So Nebuchadnezzar gets this dream. He gets this dream of a large tree where there are birds in the tree, and it says all the wild beasts of the field are underneath the tree. They're finding shelter in this tree. And then somebody comes, and they chop the tree down. So the tree gets chopped down, right? And so then all of the, all of the animals scatter, but they said, we're going to leave the root of the tree still on the ground. And so he is really troubled by this dream. And he's so confused. And he knows that God is trying to send him a message. Aren't you thankful that when God is trying to send you a message, he's so patient and he's so kind and he can be repetitive. He wants you to understand. Listen, God is not trying to confuse you. He's not trying to confuse you through the circumstances or through the message. He wants you to understand. But sometimes it takes a little bit of help. And so Nebuchadnezzar, being kind of a a pagan king, right? Not a Christian king or not a, of course, this is Old Testament, but not one who believes in Jehovah God. He calls all of the magicians and all all of those who say that they can tell the future. And they come in and the king tells them the dream and they're thinking and they're talking. They don't have any idea. Then he calls in Daniel. Now the same Daniel for whom the book, this book of the Bible is his, the same name, right? It's the same guy. Through a series of events, we don't have time to go through everything. But Daniel is one of these. He's not from there. He's not from Babylon. He's actually a Jew. He's actually from Jerusalem, from Judea. And years ago, Nebuchadnezzar, this same king, was out conquering all the nations surrounding Israel and Judea. And he conquered Daniel's country. And Daniel was taken 800 miles away to Babylon as a prisoner of war, not to be put into a jail, but to use his brain because he was very intelligent. And so they wanted him to serve the king. Guys, can I say this? That even in the painful, unfortunate circumstances that came upon Daniel when he was just a teenage boy, God was still in the circumstances. He had, listen, God has a greater plan for your life than just making you comfortable. God has a greater plan for your life than just for you to have a peaceful and comfortable life. And Daniel went through some very painful circumstances only to become the next prophet of God in a pagan country to a very cruel and pagan king. And through his testimony and through his faith, And through him trusting in God in these terrible circumstances that came upon him, he ended up seeing this King Nebuchadnezzar really converting and trusting in the one true God. And guys, can I just say this? 
that God has brought you to this country, to this seat, to this church for a reason. He has, listen, God has a greater plan for your life than to just immigrate into Toronto and get a nice house and a decent job and have a nice little family and to live peacefully. God wants you to use your faith to influence other people. Maybe he wants you to be that voice in somebody else's life who doesn't understand the circumstances and doesn't understand the message that God is trying to send them. God has a huge plan for you. Don't throw that away. In God's sovereignty, I want to be on God's side of being one of his messengers. I want to be on his side, my brother. I want to be one of those people like Daniel that says, you know what? There is a purpose for this pain. There is a bigger reason why this painful thing is happening to me. You say, well, if there was a God and he was loving, then this pain wouldn't happen. No, listen, there's always a purpose for your pain. There is, hey, I said, there is always a purpose for your pain. Because of God's sovereignty and God's greatness and his goodness and his kindness, sometimes it is his mercy that allows us to go through a little bit of pain to find our purpose. Have you ever burned yourself? I have. I'll never forget one time making, I think it was, uh, you know, those, uh, those, those chicken fillets for lunch, the breaded ones. And I put them on a pan. I was about 14 years old. <laughs> Man, I was hungry. 14-year-old boys are always hungry. I put a bunch on the pan. I turned on the oven. I stuck them in there. Hmm? Waited, impatient, hungry. Hurry up. They should be done by now. Right? And I'm looking at the oven and closing it. Mom's telling me, keep the oven closed. Right? Because they won't bake if you keep opening up the door. And I keep looking, closing it, looking, closing it. Finally, I'm thinking, okay, they're starting to get a little crispy brown. Now's the time. Because of my impatience, what I did was I had an oven mitt on one hand. And the other hand did not have any protection. But what I did was I grabbed the oven door and I lowered it down and I reached in to grab it. But what happened was because I was so impatient with the oven door, it did one of those bounces. You know how like you lower the oven door, if you're not careful and just kind of let it set, it kind of goes bounce and it starts closing. That's what it did to me. It started to close on my hand, but I didn't want to let my chicken nuggets go. (laughs) Right? And And so I'm trying to pull the pan out sideways while the oven door is trying to close on my hand and then I'm thinking, man, I got to catch this oven door. So I switched hands with the hot pan and tried to stop the oven door from closing on my arm. And I'd forgotten that I didn't have an oven mitt on the other hand. Ah, that hurt. I actually went to the hospital for that one. Man, we were old school. We didn't go to the hospital for much if we didn't have to, Right. And look, they try to put that little salve on there and they try to make it feel better. It doesn't. It just hurts. Right? But you know what? Thinking about the pain, right? The human body, feeling that pain is actually a small mercy. Because if you couldn't feel pain, 
you would accidentally burn yourself and you'd be looking at like muscle and bones. You could easily kill yourself if you didn't feel pain. Guys, can we use that illustration to kind of understand how sometimes in life when we're feeling pain, it's actually God telling you, hey, you may be going the wrong direction on this. You're feeling a little bit of pain now because you're really not making the right choices in life. And if you ignore the pain and continue on this path, you're going to cause even much more damage to yourself and others. And so, da- and so Daniel found he felt a little bit of pain in his life. But in that pain, guys, he chose to trust God. He chose to trust God through that pain. And now he's here in front of Nebuchadnezzar, this pagan king. And he says, King, this, this, is, this, this is why God gave you this dream. This dream is about you. This dream is this big giant tree is you. And he says, if you don't listen to God's warning and turn away from your prideful heart, then you are going to be removed from your kingdom and you are going to be put out of your kingdom and God is going to judge you for your pride. And that's the story that we began reading. Now, notice it says one year later, 12 months later, he's walking in his palace and he's saying, is not this the great kingdom that I have built for myself? And then that's when that voice from heaven falls and says, you done it. You crossed the line. Guys, listen, don't ignore the warning from God. You may have even gotten a warning from God a year ago. You know what I think? I think that if we look at this through the eyes of faith, this pandemic can be God trying to get people's attention. You know how many people are afraid to die right now? Like really afraid to die right now. Really. And before the pandemic, they really didn't think much about it. So does that fear mean there is no God? No, that fear is God saying, hey, this this discomfort, this pain that you're feeling, this incredible fear is God trying to ring your bell to get you to take the matter of your eternal soul seriously. Because, hey, that train is going to arrive at the destination one day. And it is God's mercy and his sovereignty where he's trying to get your attention. You may not have have expected to even be sitting in this room. And can I say that that God has called me to be a person kind of like Daniel? And if I'm in your life and you're hearing me speaking or another person speaking truth from God's word into your life, it is God trying to say, hey, take the matter of faith seriously. If you died today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? Or do you have some doubt? Have you even considered that before? Well, I don't like to think about that. That makes me uncomfortable. Good. Good. Lean into that. Don't run away from it. That is God himself trying to get your attention through that little bit of discomfort and say, take this seriously. 
Take it seriously. Trust Christ as your Savior. We can see with Nebuchadnezzar, it says in verse 33, the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding returned unto me. It's as if he had like a mental illness for a space of about seven years. And he, he was not right for the space of seven years. And through that painful experience, God brought him to the understanding where God is in control. There is a God in heaven. I'm recognizing that he rules over the kingdoms of men and that God is the one that's really in control of this whole thing. And once he made that recognition and he humbled himself before God, God restored him back to the throne of his kingdom and he continued on. Guys, what does God want for you to do? He wants for you to recognize that he is God and that he is the one that makes the rules. He decides the destination and he's the one that, that, that he's trying to get our attention through circumstances and he wants us to come to him and trust Christ as our savior, one. And for two, if you've trusted Christ as your savior, he wants for you to live a life of faith and trust. He doesn't want you to go on and, and live as if your life is your own. He wants you to trust Christ and he wants you to live with God being in control. Guys, if we can bow our heads, please, and close our eyes.